Hey, welcome back to Tunes Tunes Podcast. I'm your host, Harold. As always, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast, T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. Got Joshua Unruh in the house. What up? What news from the underworld, Persephone? Was crackalating. I know. That's that's my new greeting I told all the you time. a long time ago <laughs> I wanted to have you on here. And it's been probably over a year since I told you I originally wanted to have you on that I finally got you on here. Well... It's nobody's fault. I don't watch <laughs> that much anime. That is true. And you, you know, you angle towards the anime, and that's that is not true. as much my my bag. Your so. jam, yeah. yeah. That's kind of the through line, but I am glad that I originally that was like all anime, but then I was just like, man, I feel like I was excluding so many like great people that I wanted to talk to. So I, I'm glad that we're able to like kind of expand the scope of what, you know, we're willing to talk about and the things we're willing to do. So that was fun. Um Cause that was like my whole thing is like, dude, I don't want to like exclude people. Like what the heck? <laughs> but yeah, I got Joshua Henry in the house real quick though. We'll give a shout out to Mint Apparel here at the top of the hour. Mint Apparel has what you need if you're looking for a local shop to do screen printing, embroidery, heat press vinyl. They can even take care of your logo and branding design needs. Check them out at mintapparel.com. That's M-E-N-T apparel.com or on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also request a quote by emailing them directly at info at mintapparel.com. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, you know, we'd, we'd met before I'd met you before, um, when you guys did like the midnight toast, when you were on Oki geek podcast. Yes. And then, uh, later on we were, we met again at uh wizard world when that was, it was here in Oklahoma city, but that's where I met, um, Caleb masters. Ah, yes. My partner in one of your my P- crimes. Yeah. Your PIC. <laughs> um, so that was really cool, man. And it's just crazy to think about that. That's not really that long ago now. And I feel like I've known, um, you guys for like a lot longer than it's actually been. So it's kind of funny, but yeah, man, I mean, that was a really cool, um, meeting you guys at that. And then I think you were guys, you were just about to maybe launch that. Podcast. I think that's right. The BTAS yeah. podcast, right? Yes. Yes. And so, well, right now it's a BTAS podcast. Or right now it is. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Because but we're doing it chronologically, but through. we will get through everything. Right on, man. Well, talk about that project, man. How did that kind of come about? Like, how'd you guys decide you wanted to do that project and collaborate on that? Well, I mean, Caleb and I had met, uh, when I was still on the Okie Geek show, um, I think probably I'm trying to remember like what the first thing that brought him in was, but it was probably something with the Burns brothers, one of the films that they were yeah, working on. Cinematropolis something. Yeah. Or well, it was before that. Cause I've written for the Cinematropolis. Oh yeah. Cause they launched it. Yeah. Actually they had just launched it when I met you or when I met him. That's right. Yeah. They had just yeah. launched. Uh, so, I mean, I think it was, I think that's what brought him in first. And then, um, I don't know, somewhere along the way, we just started talking and we needed to do a show together. He and I, and but, but our, uh, I mean, like we enjoy a lot of the same things, but like the expertise is not the same. Like I am not a film guy, you know, like I, I watch movies. I have a lot of thoughts about pop culture and media, but I'm not like a, I'm not going to do a film critique. Right. It's not like you're, it's not my area. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just as we were talking about it, it, uh, it, we started talking about Batman and the animated series, but then I was like, but look, if we're going to do that, we're going to do it all. I mean, I mean, you know eventually like the whole series the, well because because btaz becomes uh the new adventures of batman and robin which crosses over with superman the animated series and then they both go away for a little bit and justice league uh come justice league comes on and then it becomes justice league unlimited oh you mean like 
yeah, we're going to do like, it all like, like the whole universe. When we say DCAU, <laughs> that's what we mean. Like right that's the, the animated universes that is that are all connected, but they all start with, with Batman the Animated Series. And Batman the Animated Series is, I mean, probably still the most cinematic like serialized cartoon show, you know, um, that I, that I've ever seen that maybe's ever existed. I mean, it is just so deeply steeped in like film noir stylings and just, I mean, Caleb, a, a, an ongoing refrain with us is, uh, who the hell was this show made for? I know. Like, is this for children? You know? Um, yeah. So we decided to do that, but both of us were, uh, doing other projects. And so it was like, I mean, it was like a year of us trying to figure out like what, what was the shape of the show? Like, what would every episode, you know, look like? What did we want to say in the process of the show? Um, I mean, one of the big early discussions was like, do we cover every single episode? And we decided not to because, uh, not because so much of it is bad, but because so much of it is good that like everybody else's A material is beat as a C material. And we were like, there's only so many reviews that can be, we really liked this one. Right. You know, so it was like, and then we decided we're not even going to do the really bad ones. We're just going to talk about the, you know, the cream of that crop. Anyway, I mean, it just became, it was this big, long conversation of what does it look like for like almost a year, I think, before we actually sat down to record some. Um, and then, you know, we've been keeping it up more or less ever since. We are very close to finishing Batman the Animated Series. Shit. Like we are a handful of episodes <laughs> away from having to make the switch to uh, like simultaneously going back and forth between the new adventures of Batman and Robin and Superman. Like we're right Man, on it. That's crazy. It's like when you look back and you see you've like done all that, you're like, God damn. It's going to wind up being about 45 ish, 50 ish, 50 ish episodes of the podcast, I think, because again, we didn't do every episode. Right. And, but once we're done, it's always like if somebody comes in and does that one of those, how dare you skip this episode? We can always go back. Yeah. And I've always threatened that if patrons, my patrons really wanted it, that we would watch one of the really bad ones because oh, we skipped. <laughs> well, like the second episode of the whole thing is uh Christmas with the Joker. It's garbage. <laughs> it's top to bottom. <laughs> terrible. And it's, the, like the second episode or I think it, it's the second one in the run order, but it's, it did not air second. It aired third or fourth, but it's still like real early. This is bad. Are we sure we want to make this show bad? <laughs> but we, so, you know, we, we just don't do those, but we, I've always threatened if anybody wants to pay us specifically to watch the bad ones and talk about it, we'll do that. Yeah. If you get up to a dollar amount, like we'll do this. Yeah. So-and-so episode. Yeah. But that was, that was where the overlap came. Cause, cause Caleb is such a, a film guy and superheroes is, is my bag. Like that's, that's the thing that I claim expertise on. And there is enough overlap in my film expertise because uh, sort of connected to Batman, but sort of not. I, I love film noir. And so there was enough, like I, you know, I'm going to talk Batman stuff. You're going to talk film guy stuff, but we can meet in the middle. Cause he's a long time, you know, Batman fan. He, and uh, was watching that in syndication. I watched it in original airing cause I am ancient, but uh, <laughs> I watched it on Sunday night when they were going to, era in prime time on Sunday and that did not last very long, but I was there. Um, but yeah, yeah. So there was longtime Batman fan. I love film noir. So between us, like I'm an expert on this, but I know about the other, I'm an expert on the other, but I know about this and there's the show. Yeah. Your peanut butter and chocolate came together. That's right. You made a beautiful Reese's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it is great. And like, I feel like 
because I'm a big fan of the show. I'm just a fan of like anything you guys do. So like I always try to keep up with your shows and watch and uh, listen to stuff. But it's like um, it seems like every time I'm I'm like I come away with some shit that I'm like, damn, like I had no idea that that was a thing. <laughs> uh, the first thing about it, like being drawn on black paper. I didn't know that. Right. Yeah. And then, like uh, some Easter eggs that they end up putting in Batman Beyond. Like there's one thing you guys mentioned. It might have been that. Um, an episode around that same episode but it was like you guys talked about uh like how the high school in batman beyond is named after like a mayor is the mayor it's and hamilton like, hill oh, high shit yeah like, that's so great like i don't think i would have ever known that without like if i hadn't listened to that and so yeah i mean it's great analysis and you guys the thing that i enjoy about it is that you really don't agree a lot of the time oh no oh no <laughs> so don't come to this we're don't go listening friendly. for a consensus <laughs> yeah we're very friendly about it but uh but caleb is wrong about batman a lot <laughs> sorry caleb <laughs> oh no he knows he's like you're not here to defend yourself so. uh, well okay i'm sorry you're not here to defend yourself <laughs> caleb He'd be like, what the fuck, dude? But I can't I can't help when people are wrong about Batman. What do you want me to do? <laughs> it, it, facts is facts. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, no matter how wrong it is. That's, yeah. There you go. But but on my shows, you have to be a co-host to show up with your wrong opinions. <laughs> I don't just invite people in with bad takes. <laughs> Man. Caleb does not have bad takes. No, He's just yeah. wrong about Batman. A lot. <laughs> Man. I do love... Uh, yeah, I, I just really do enjoy that just because, like, outside of just, like, the we liked it, we didn't like it, like, the deep analysis and, like, uh, we were chatting a little bit about it before we actually started recording about um, one of the recent episodes you guys have done was about, uh, was the one in London. Yeah, yeah, the Alfred-centric episode. Yeah, and, like, I didn't even think about some of those things as far as, like, the dynamic between Alfred's relationship with uh, Bruce and like how it's kind of changed and evolved and they've tried to like remix it. Um, so it's like interesting, man. It's interesting to hear like how those things kind of change with the times and mm-hmm. kind of like we we're saying earlier, reflect like what's going on like around like uh, around history in that time. Yeah. I mean, the idea that Alfred started out as kind of a comedic bumbling goofball kind of character. Mr. Magoo. Uh, yeah. Kind of in a tux, um, you know, Uh <laughs> Technically, that was a different character because that's Alfred Beagle. But right. um, they, like, they just switched that guy out for this much more competent person. But yeah, like I, I think I even shocked Caleb when I was like, no, originally Batman and Robin were already working as Batman and Robin when he showed up to be their butler. Uh, you, you know, he came along later in the original take. And it, but then later we decide we want him to be more of a father figure. And it's a good idea. It's a smart poll. I know. I've like, that's so surprising to me because like, I think it's like you have that tendency of like the iteration that you maybe are familiar with or grew up with or first came into contact. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the standard. So like, I've always just been like, Oh yeah. Alfred's was his dad, his parents, basically his dad. he grew yeah, up with him. Yeah. Like, and I, just to hear, like, it, that wasn't the original, like, idea. I was like, what? Like, he showed up out of nowhere to help them? Like, what? We, well, not out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere. You know, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, that's... I, and for me, across all superheroes, but I mean, especially Batman. Um, okay, uh, Batman's my second fave. I love Batman a lot. And I think a lot about Batman. Um, because he just fills all these various archetypal situations. Like, literary genres 
dozens of them are covered by different Batman stories because of the length of time and because uh, changing tastes and, you know, all that stuff. Um, I mean, if you just took like a space alien and showed them Batman 66 and Nolan's Batman and we're just like, same character, only we changed, you know, is they would be like, what is wrong with you? You're schizophrenic, <laughs> right? Like you fuck? have completely. Di- yeah. So, uh, but technically not my, not my favorite superhero, but the one I think the most about probably, cause he just fits all of these, all of these spaces. And so, yeah, so that's the thing I kind of, that I get, that I get to bring, um, uh, next, next week, we're going to talk about Jonah Hex. I Ooh. knew, I knew who Jonah nice. Hex was the day I saw him appear on Batman, the animated series. I already knew. Really? I read a lot. Of, I've read a lot of comic books. Like yeah. that was, I read, I, I learned to read with it was like your books. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, when he showed up on BTS, I was like, Jonah Hex in 1993, <laughs> I already knew. Um, and, and so I got to talk about Jonah Hex and how weird it is that we're just going to do a Jonah Hex episode, apparently. I mean, it's yeah, just, it is kind of bizarre, but it's great. The episode is amazing, but yeah, it's just, I get to bring all that stuff, all that stuff in. We get to talk about the fact that, uh, on leather wings was supposed to be the first episode to air a man bat episode which is actual it's weird but then we figure out why it's such a great idea as we talk about it but then later on we get to talk about what actually was the first episode to air which was uh the first two catwoman episodes because batman returns came out and michelle pfeiffer in that suit was a friggin' sensation and so they were like screw all that we're leading with the catwoman episodes <laughs> even though they're really weird like they're really even for btas like real hit the ground running kind of episodes where it's like these were our first ones okay all that stuff is great i love all that stuff so yeah let me ask you have you ever actually checked out one of our alternate media recommendations uh well some of them sometimes you suggest something that i've already seen okay fair enough and i'm like oh yeah yeah totally at the end of every show uh caleb and i both do and we tend to come at it from pretty different directions That's most of the time one of the cool things about it too uh but at the end we suggest other comic books or novels or movies or tv shows whatever that that has some kind of tie thematically or whatever to you know to that episode of batman the animated series and i love doing it it's also the hardest part of my prep for the show at this point like you know 40 50 episodes in um but i love doing it and i'm always just like does anybody ever actually I don't know. Does anybody ever actually? Yeah. Is anybody out there? Um, yeah. I mean, you guys, there is a lot of times that you'll suggest something. And I'm like, totally. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You guys are spot on. Um, I think for that the specific one we we're talking about with Alfred, Caleb's was uh, 007 movies. Right. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then was that the one you said Rocky four? No, no, that was the one before that. I um, think. Yes. Rocky Four has come up a couple times though. Um well as like an alternate media. I suggestion. think my Rocky my Rocky Four recommendation was for Bane. For the Bane one. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we talked about that one also. A, a foreign villain comes into right. a, you know That's a, what it was. a physical match for Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, it's you know. <laughs> now we're out here listening, man. We got you. We got you. <laughs> um well yeah, I mean, you know, you obviously have like this through line of something that you you know Comics were obviously something that was uh, an influence on you growing up. Can you kind of talk about how you first got into, like, getting into superheroes? You know, like, what what was something that drew you in? Was, like, you're just your friends were into it or what? No, because I was six. 
five. I was young. Okay, so real young. Yeah, I mean, when I say I learned to read on comics, no that's bullshit. not an exaggeration. Like, like, I, I mean, I read them from jump. Um, so interestingly enough, as I mentioned, I am ancient, and uh, at the time, <laughs> at the time, there was a a bit of a so if you if you kind of like look at superhero media we've never had anything like now like Endgame is opening this weekend and it's the biggest thing that's ever been of all big things and 10 years ago it was like are you sure Iron Man can carry a movie you know yeah right <laughs> um so there's nothing like what it is now but there's there's been these you know these moments in time like the 90s was another time because Batman the animated series like set a high bar for quality but you also had a Spider-Man cartoon and an X-Men cartoon and spin-offs from Batman and I mean you know so the 90s was a time the early 80s was another time when you were getting just a just a lot of superhero media and so I was kind of aware of superheroes in general like uh Spider-Man and his amazing friends was on Super Friends was on um but for real the thing that did it for me with comic books is that if you you don't even remember this I guarantee you do not remember Jesus. this uh uh, you used to be able to buy them at grocery stores. You used to have spinner racks. Like there were entire racks of comic books. Right. Um, those don't exist anymore. They're gone. I they, remember spinner racks. Do you? Yeah. Gotta be better. At Walden Books? Like at the bookstore? Or Walden like at Bo the grocery there, store? There was a Walden Books and they had them there like because it was at Crossroads Mall whenever I was growing up. Okay. Okay. No, um, but if you went, to, there was a buy for list that we went to. I think it was on 59th. And, uh, oh man, I can't remember the cross street to save my life right now, but, um, there was a buy for less and they had a huge, like, uh, like pretty much like a walls right by like the, okay. the check cashing place. Yeah. There was like a wall of, uh, of like magazines and different stuff. And I remember I didn't, uh, I didn't like to go around like with my mom to do yeah. the grocery shopping. So she'd be like, "Why don't you just go hang out like at the at the rack?" Over that there? is what I did. So I yeah. used to like, <laughs> used to go and like, uh, I'd bring like a pencil and a piece of paper, and they'd be like Game Informer or something or Game Winners. Right on, and right down the code, right down cheat codes at the end, or I would like read entire like magazines. <laughs> this is okay. So um, technically, I guess that's stealing, but so uh so I that was not for gatekeeping nonsense. I really did not expect you to remember them because they've been gone. A long time. Oh yeah, you don't see them shits anywhere. They man. do not exist anymore. But and uh, even like they were, those were kind of dated. At this was kind of a dated store. Right. Right. So like even I'm for surprised them. they could still buy them. Honestly, right. I mean the the business end just changed also. But so I'm a kid. I am a child, and I am vaguely aware of superheroes just because cartoons are on. And the other thing that that they used to do aside from spinner racks were they would take issues that did not sell particularly well, and like a third party seller would bundle them up. So I oh, would get like, like a three pack. Yeah. That's cool. And um, so I knew about Spider-Man and I knew about Transformers. And so I, I begged and pleaded to get my mom to buy me this three pack that had us that you could see. You could see the two that were on the outside. Like they packaged them covers They're out. Like what's the filling and of the, the sandwich third, The third one was a mystery. Right. <laughs> um, and so I convinced her to buy it because I knew Spider-Man and I knew Transformers. And then the, I think the middle one was another Transformers. It was like oh, two out of two out of four. They, they did like a four issue limited series. And I had two and three. And by the way, at the end of three, all the Autobots are dead. Jesus. It was decades before I found the first one, a fourth one <laughs> to see what the hell happened. Yeah, it was bonkers. Um, That's funny. 
but yeah, I convinced her to buy that. And I'm not, I'm reading barely, you know, at this point. And then I just, I just kept on doing it. Like, you know, you're, you're hearing from, uh, your teachers is like, let your kid read, just read, 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 read. As long as he's reading, do the thing. And so I just, and, but honestly, when I was, when I was that young, well, not that young, but I mean like eight, nine, 10, 11, I didn't have any money. Um, but I read everything cause I would volunteer for the grocery store trip and then do none of the actual shopping. Like I would just read comic books the entire time that my, my mom or dad was shopping. Um, <laughs> They're like, we, we know why you're here. Yeah, no, it was, there was no <laughs> secrets, but I mean, I just, I read everything, you know? Um, and yeah. And then eventually I got a job and I had money and there was an actual comic shop in my tiny Oklahoma town, much to my shock. Um, and then I could have a pull box and, and all that stuff that you expect now. But I mean, that's, that's what it was. Like it was just reading walls of comics wow. for nothing. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. So, but, but I also never really stopped. And somewhere along the way, I just started asking questions like, well, you know, some of it's the kind of obvious first level of critique, like, okay, but why do I like this one and not like that one? You know? Um, and I started to notice the names of, who wrote or drew the book. And then I, oh, looked at, right. It was so, just, you know, that, that guy, I knows like my that shit. guy, but then I'd be like, okay, but what is he doing that I like? And so, I mean, I, you know, I was just kind of always, I started thinking that way, those, those early critic thoughts. And then, I mean, but literary criticism, I, I, I'm here for it, you know, and I just started a, applying it to superheroes and I was always doing it just like as an intellectual pursuit for myself, like just conversations at the comic shop, comic shop where I was just like, but thematically and you know, just, yeah, like you know, all that shit with your friends. Yeah. All of a sudden about 10 years ago, everybody starts caring. And right. I mean, <laughs> I have a, I have a 12 year old kid who cannot believe that when I was his age, nobody gave a shit about any of that superhero stuff that I knew. <laughs> volumes about right and i mean he looks me in the eye just all weepy eyes and he's like not even grandma and i was like bro your grandmother especially especially <laughs> did not give a shit negative shits you know yeah she would have had to she would have had to give a shit to give zero shit <laughs> i've heard it i've heard it son i've been around so yeah but that's that's what got me for superheroes and then other people actually caring was just like a happy accident that i was you know, still sticking around, you know, in the hobby and had been doing, you know, this kind of sort of big picture thinking about it, which again was just to amuse myself. And now every kind of way you do, people are kind of into it. <laughs> yeah. That's cool, man. Well, you know, I'd be remiss to not mention anybody that knows you knows that you're uh, super into Sailor Moon. And so I was kind of wondering how like that kind of parallel happened because it's not necessarily like a reach it's just kind of a different style so how, how does like i know you're not like the hugest like anime fan but where does that kind of come into play okay my relationship with anime is actually kind of weird and complicated no, it's complicated right. but i think complicated by like age and cultural shift right um so i knew robotech when i was a tiny person Shout out to robotech right yeah i loved robotech and it's on netflix right now too i know the boy and i uh are watching we're watching it because i have novelizations of Robotech because I could never find out how it ended because it never ran long enough for me to find out. So I had to buy the novelizations to actually, anyway, um, <laughs> and Voltron and I knew old school Voltron and I, you know, so some of that stuff, star blazers, like some of the stuff started, man, you know, that's all like the cuts right there. I know that's all, that's the cuts. All, all that starts coming like Saturday morning, you know, uh, kind of stuff. And 
I didn't realize that it wasn't. I mean, the, the, the style's pretty clearly different, but I, I didn't realize that we were importing these. Like I was just a kid. I didn't right. know. Um, then anime, like as a thing starts to become hot when I'm in, you know, like, um, middle school kind of transitioning into high school, like becomes a thing. And, but I think I joked with you about this, that I was like, you can't ask me some of these questions that you gave me before the show. Cause I was like, it used to just be this tiny shelf at Hastings. Like that, what anime did you watch? What got your attention? Oh, Whatever yeah. this shit was. Yeah. The one of 10 things because that was available this is what at Suncoast. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and so I'm staying up till 2 a.m. to watch whatever sci-fi put on because that's these were my anime options. Okay, so in the middle of that, like I think I really feel like it must have been like I'm gonna be wrong about this. Like 92, 93, I think, is when Sailor Moon like first came over here via Canada <laughs> from Japan through Canada, like Deke Blue Ocean yeah. Dub or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was on one summer. When I was eating breakfast, like that's how I discovered it. And I don't know what, I, I mean, honestly, there's probably like some psychoanalysis that could be done here because I was not really in a place where I was looking or where I would, where I, if you had looked at the rest of the stuff I was doing, you wouldn't necessarily have been like, that guy is going to grok a bunch of Supergirls that beat their bad guys with love and friendship, <laughs> which by the way, now Put that shit on my tombstone. Okay. But <laughs> Go like, in at, yeah, 14, the hill I will die. Old, <laughs> you know, like not necessarily I wasn't like the 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 most the manliest boy that ever lived or whatever, but right. it just wouldn't have been obvious. But I just started watching it. And I mean, I just just fell in love with it. And and if you can fall in love with Sailor Moon via the worst possible dubs <laughs> <laughs> of the worst possible yeah, they're versions. Not, they're not great. Um, you know, <laughs> then you're, you're in it. You are, you're in it. And th that was it. Like I just, but I never, I, that's another one. I never really got to see how it ended. I bought a terrible Sailor Moon role-playing game in the late nineties because it had an episode guide in the back and I could finally figure out what happened after whatever. <laughs> I can't figure out what the fuck popped off here. You know? Um, so yeah, it just, that just caught my attention. Now, since then, of course, I've done all the, all the thinking in the world about it. And I'm really super fast. Like, there, there are kind of a small number of cultural touchstones that you can claim are uniquely American, right? Like they, there just are, cause we're such a, you know, polyglot, just an amalgamation of all these other cultures, like slamming into one another. And, uh, I mean, you know, you can talk about like blues and rock and roll, like there are some strains of music, um, the Western, of course, but even the Western is like inheriting things from night errant stories. And I mean, there's so little that you can, that you can claim as uniquely American, but superheroes are one of them. And so since then I have just been continuously fascinated by Sailor Moon because it's, it is an amazing story for one thing, like on its own merits that goes from the past to the future to, you know, the ends of the universe. It's, it's as big as any justice league, you know, end of the multiverse story. Um, that always comes back to this core group who are just going to beat it with friendship, <laughs> deal with it. But it's, it's also in the end, it's also superheroes through a wildly different cultural lens. Like, Oh yeah. Japanese approach to superheroes, which it's a whole different. Take. And I didn't even know that like, uh, because power Rangers came later or, I mean, it was about the same time, but I didn't really notice. It was like 95, 96 yeah. probably. Um, so I didn't know that, uh, is that Takasaitsu, what is it? The like the special oh, the, effects that it's driven based shows. Based on, yeah. yeah, 
I didn't know that that existed. So the idea of like, it's always going to be a five man band, you know, was wait, what, <laughs> you know, the trope, the trope. Yeah. Um, so just seeing it through, seeing the superhero concept, like reimagined through such a, un- a uniquely different cultural lens and also through such a differently gendered lens, like even now American superheroes are basically by men for men, you know, right, yeah. um, by men for boys, whatever. And, and whatever you can say about Sailor Moon, it's not that like, it's, we're doing, it's very, I mean, I don't, I guess feminine is probably the best, the best way to put it. Like, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a, and then since then it's like, it's very feminine, but it's still superheroes, but it's also kind of queer when we weren't, when it wasn't, yeah. when that wasn't a thing, like we were even going to talk about, it was especially not a thing we were going to talk about because part of Canada fucking it up I know. was taking out a lot of the queer like relationships. The four, it was like the four kids even dub, I think was one of the ones that we got. Cause there was like a whole like series of dubs that were done. It was called four kids. Okay. And it just basically nerfs all the story. It takes all the shit out that they don't want kids to see or whatever. Well, yeah. But yeah, I mean the, the, uh, anyway, that was the a really cousins, long the answer. Cousin thing, <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. yes. That we're gonna have our villains that are actual Kissing lovers. Cousins. Our, yeah, which is like, is that better? That comes up all the time. Yeah, it's funny. We end up talking about Sailor Moon. We always talk about. Isn't that weird that we? It's it's nerfed bizarre. it like that. It's so yeah. strange. I mean, <laughs> it's a long time ago. I, I mean, just. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, when you compare it to stuff now, like Steven Universe, which is like on the My label, God. we are doing queer storytelling. Just deal with it. You know, we, I mean, it, we've talked about huge shows difference. like that kind of being the catalyst for where we are now and shows like Steven Universe being possible to happen. Oh, I think 100%. But I, definitely. Because one, one thing that I have found, I'm not the only male super, uh, the only male Sailor Moon fan of my age. I'm not the only one. But we're not thick on the ground either. And in the process of that, I've run into many women who are near my age, like discovered Sailor Moon at around the same time. And it just it just changed their lives, Shit. you know, and some percentage of those women are going to go on to make their own fiction, whatever True. that looks like. And it's going to they're going to take all that and just take all the varnish off like to hell with you, Deke. They're going to be gay, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Um, oh, the representation. We're going to beat this with love and friendship. I don't care how many muscles your guy has. <laughs> love and friendship, you know. I so, mean, there yeah. is just something to be said about the way that representation can empower someone. Yes. So, yes. I mean, you see yourself in these characters, and especially at, like, pivotal ages, like, whenever you're consuming that kind of media, you're like, oh, shit, like, this is awesome. And then that's how you, you grow up empowered like that. And then mm-hmm. you're like... Well, shit. Maybe I can do something like that. Yes. Yeah. Or I'm gonna make the next the next iteration of that thing and show it even more. Well, yes, I yeah. love that. I don't think that's too bold of a conclusion to jump to because, like, you, if you look at where we were and to where it's come, it's like night and day almost for kids entertainment. Oh yeah, it's it's yes. I mean, it's quite a revelation. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I do. I have seen some episodes of Steven Universe. And I'm like, shit. Like. This so is like heavy. a kids show, <laughs> right? <laughs> but 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 I mean, but I mean, and I did the same Not for Adventure bad Time. Way, I've done the same like for shit. for Shira. That like my son just loves these things, you know, just loves them. And like when Crystal, when Sailor Moon Crystal was made, I had already been like laying the track. Like we are going to watch 
My Little Pony because I heard it was amazing and you need to watch shows that aren't necessarily for you is what I'm thinking to myself, you know, because everything was made for me when I, when I was his age, everything was made for me. It was, it, I am honestly, I am lucky that I stumbled on Sailor Moon and that some part of it caught me because it did something for my ability of empathy that wasn't going to happen otherwise, because I am a straight white male who likes superhero comics. Those are made just for me. <laughs> right. Like everybody else who gets in there had to squeeze in. They're aimed like a laser at me, you know. And if I didn't start stumbling into some stuff that was really different. And so as a, as a parent, I was like, we're doing this out of the gate. Here's your My Little Ponies. Um, and then Crystal happened, uh, the, re the Sailor Moon reboot. And I was like, buckle up, kid, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was just, that was how that happened. And I don't know, just hung with it. Even when I dropped off of almost all other anime, I was like, but I still... I still love Sailor Moon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's definitely, you know, we see it because it's so, like you mentioned earlier, it's just different than what is going on in American cartoons. Yeah. And even stuff that we end up getting, um, I know we've talked about Gundam Wing before on the show before, but that was something that was in Japan. That's like marketed to like girls, like teen yeah. girls. And it's like, because it's like, you know, good-looking guys in these right, robots. Right, right. But that show killed with, like, boys my age at that time. Because we love giant because robots. Because fucking robots. Yeah. But it's just funny because it's like, oh, this is interesting that culturally that difference exists in Japan, that this is who this is for. Right. But because we bring it over here and it's kind of through a different lens and, like, the way our, like, society views that and, like, kind of, like, you're driven to, like, this is your boy, so you're supposed to like this stuff. So it just is an interesting phenomenon of how that happened, that it was like not the intended audience, but it was like hugely successful yeah. in a different demographic. Yep. Just because of that cultural relativism. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and now, well, you know, and then I think the, the Gundam that I've watched the most, I think, is Build Fighters, which cracks me up because it's basically <laughs> like high school melodrama that is also a sports manga or sports anime that is also giant robots <laughs> and i was like that's it you're my trifecta this is what i want you know you're like god damn this is like a if you would have drawn a venn diagram <laughs> it's a circle <laughs> it's for me it's a circle <laughs> teen exploitation nonsense stuck in you know stuck in high school hijinks also there's a sports element so there's competition we have rivals all the tropes baby i mean just uh, oh by the way also it's giant robots sorta <laughs> and i'm just like okay Fucking that's a dude that's a circle that's <laughs> um man one show that you'd mentioned that you're a fan of that i think is an awesome middle ground um, especially between like the animated superheroes, My Hero Academia. I love we My mentioned Hero Academia. It. We talked about it briefly before. We're doing something up here at Tower, and like I think we ended up getting stuck in the parking lot talking for like an hour about it, even though you're trying to head home. But oh, I because I have a lot of feelings. I could talk about that ad nauseum. Yeah, but it's, it's just like it's an amazing show. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have All Might is like the quintessential. Like that is like the American superhero trope. Yeah, that character. He he really. He really is doing Superman things, but but really, so really, he's actually doing like Captain Marvel or Shazam things, right. really. But you don't necessarily find that out. You kind of find out through Midoriya, right? But right. I mean, he's the thing that All Might gets to do that is that is uh, uh, 
he gets to turn Superman into a legacy story. Like, like we publishing can't let that happen. Like we can't let that happen except for Elseworld stories or like uh flash forwards to the future, stuff like that. But we can't really let it, yeah. let Superman be a Superman's legacy. Superman's just the same guy. Um, he, he has to be, I mean, there's a, there's actually some in fiction reasons for this too, because we let this happen more to Batman in the bat family because, oh, that's true, because yeah. the in fiction reasons are a little less tight. And also because of Robin, the second best idea in superhero comics after making superhero comics. Robin is number two. The first one is invent the superhero. And the second one is Robin. So <laughs> I will fight people in the street over, That's over the this. hill. You'll die on um, the, uh, everyone else will die on that hill. Harold, they're not prepared for me. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so, so anyway, so you get to do Superman stuff, but it's, but it's a legacy, which is really cool, not just because we get to do high school shenanigans. Right. But oh, and it checks that other box, Right, baby. I'm there for that. <laughs> and it, it checks the cultural lens box, too, because the idea that we would... Okay, okay. So if you look in every American superhero story where they are part of the government, where they're attached to the government, every single time, that is the worst fucking idea you could possibly have. Every time. We, this is always how we we end those stories. No, the government is a bad idea when it comes to superheroes. They should be, you know, on their on their own, making their own decisions. I will not go into the million and a half reasons that that happens. There's a bunch. Yeah. Some of them are legit and some of them are shitty cultural narratives that we're about to spend the next 50 years unraveling unless we don't all boil. Um, <laughs> but. It, there's just a very different attitude towards hierarchies and government in Japan. So it's not immediately a terrible idea for these. They get to actually be superheroes while also working for the government. Government We don't get to do that here. Yeah. Like, like we're not going to tell Everybody's that story. Here. The government. Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely an Oklahoma thing. But, oh, yeah. but like America has this bootstrap thing going on where – Anyway, don't get me. It's the old West. Shit. No, it goes way back. It's the old <laughs> West. It's uh, uh, it's it's that our heroes, our heroes have always been cowboys. Well, now they're cowboys in tights. Uh, for a while, they were cowboys who were also privatized. But I mean, that whole like, I step outside of the system in order to sort the system that out. Vigilantism. Yeah, yeah. That's always that's that's like part. I mean, we 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 revolted because of taxes. Originally, I mean, it's kind of in the cultural DNA, I right? Felt that. I still feel that. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so to see superheroes get to actually be superheroes, even though they're attached to the government, is a really interesting take. It is very interesting. Very different than what we would do here. Um, you get to do Superman, but a legacy, which is great because All Might is quintessentially Superman. But then you also find out that he's not the first one. You know, so you've had anyway. I, I yeah, there's just a lot going with on, the interesting man. Interesting dynamic with him, like losing his power. You know, right? Like the, he's he has to fade away, right? Yeah. It's like I'm Midoriya increase, I must decrease. Like it's it's all of that stuff, which would also be really hard in a like in an actual Superman story. Like how would that? Well, there are answers. We've done it a few right. times, but um, we just wouldn't be able to be that bold with our storytelling. Um, yeah, I just. I have a lot of it's it's a fascinating work. Um, I keep I keep talking about going to grad school for pop culture studies. And I joke about how I collect 
thesis ideas. Just I collect them, but I will never get to use them. Or if, or I will at best get to use one. But I mean, the approach of My Hero Academia to um to a uniquely Amer a uniquely Japanese approach to a uniquely American idea is one of the that is good man. DC's ideas. And it's like yeah. the guy that has like a million band names. <laughs> I have every band name you could think of. Yeah, are you in a band? Well, no. I got I that is me in in thesis ideas. It's true. <laughs> I mean, there's so there's a lot going on in the show. Um, great characters. All Might is just like this grandiose, like over the top. It's like a caricature of Superman almost, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the other interesting thing that they do with All Might is that he is so larger than life and over the top, but at the same time is so incredibly sincere. Right. It's and, genuine. And that's not easy to do. Um in a way that even American kids would accept, right? Like you kind of either need to, well, actually I think that's changing too. Cause I mean, you looking at Steven universe, that thing is like crazy bonkers over the top, but it's also right. deeply, deeply sincere. But certainly when I was growing up, that was not, this was not an approach that, that would have worked, I think. Um, and so that, that that's the way they're approaching their, their Superman character is uh, it's great. It's just, there's just a lot there's a lot going on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, great characters, um, great story, great villains. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. man, the villains are so great in that. Freaking Stain, like, rocked my world, dude. If they're... Stain, Stain was like... Stain is a fascinating piece because he is like the worst, shittiest ideas of 90s superhero, like American superhero comics, turned into a not shitty idea. Right. Like, even looking at him, I was like... This guy, like all my, the thing that actually got me reading the manga and watching the show was that I was listening to another podcast that was talking about that, that in passing talked about My Hero Academia. And the thing they were talking about is that All Might is drawn in a different style than everybody around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I need to see that. Like he's drawn like Jack, like a Jack Kirby character, like thick lines, you know. Lots of black. Um, Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, well, I have to see that just to see how that character looks next to all these other characters. And then, I'm, you know. I'm hooked. It's crazy that it's so different, but it works, man. Yeah, no, it, to it totally works. It doesn't feel disjointed. It doesn't feel like shoehorned in. It just feels like that's the way it should have been. Like with how he, how the character is and just like his temperament, his interaction, like his vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just fit. It's so on the nose. And I'm like, damn, they really like knocked it out of the park with this. Yeah. And it's, and it's a Japanese guy that created it who, only had that kind of like two steps removed, you know, relationship to American superheroes and was just like, okay, I'm going to take the bits that I more or less recognize and just do love it. But, um, but yeah, that was the thing that made me go look first was how does, how did, how do these two disparate art styles mesh? And then, and the answer is like, it just meshes, you know, like all the way down. Like we're just doing this kind of joining of these cultures via these themes that we have, you know, more or less in common. And Stain was like, if All Might's my good example of that, Stain was going to be my shit example for that until I saw how that played out. Because I'm looking at him like swords and bandages and for fuck's sake. <laughs> like this is, this is, if, if, if All Might's Kirby, this is Liefeld, like top to bottom. But then you find out more about him and I was like, okay, he's not a good guy, but damn, I am intrigued right. by this take. And it really is just all the worst excesses of 90s superheroes, American superheroes, 
turned into something good. And I'm like, I'm not sure we're prepared to do that. Like, I don't think we American superhero lovers are distanced enough from that to actually start finding the good and redeeming it. I, but you go two steps removed and he kills it. Well, yeah, I think they do a great job on that show of like kind of setting it up and then going past your expectations because every time the first season, I remember thinking the goddamn fight with Nomu when he punches him in the fucking stratosphere right. blew my <laughs> mind. I was like, holy shit, this is one of the best fight scenes I've seen in like yeah. the last, as long as I can remember. Like, this is insane. And then that very next season, like, I don't know. I do. I did kind of have like that, um, the expectation of like, oh, like with the whole tournament arc and stuff. I was just like, uh, it's, it had but to it's, happen. Look, it's first badass, of all, it, martial arts tournament, amazing. I think it was done uh, well, though. Uh, high schools, rivalries, amazing. I mean, you know, it had to happen. It's the trope. Yeah, yeah. But they, I mean, my guy, Todoroki, man, like that is my yeah. motherfucking guy. So like he just really he really shined in that, but I mean yeah, just like kind of you know setting that expectation, and just like blowing it out of the water every time. every time, every time. So I'm ready to talk about that show anytime. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. And then I, we, I even like the movie. I don't know if you ever. I did. I took my I took my son. Like we went out. Oh right, because you were gonna go with us, but we ended up not working out. Right, because because the of timing. he and I schedule. Yeah, I think we were going camping when you guys were right. gonna go, and I was like, well, we're doing this. Because he and I are into, I will, I will, uh, so as much as I was into it, like my son was way deep also. And, um, at one point he was like, can we watch one more? And we watch one more. And I think it was during the tournament they end on, I don't remember which cliffhanger, but every episode's a cliffhanger. I know. And at one point in the middle of the tournament, they end on some cliffhanger and he looks to the ceiling and with bald fists and yells, why do they do this to me? <laughs> and I was like, that's it. We're taking a couple days off. <laughs> yeah, chill, chill, my but guy. I mean, so he was into it. And so, yeah, we had to go to the movie. The movie was great, <laughs> even though it was like a step back in time and not right where yeah, the it was show was, like but that. it all worked. Yeah, um, that contained And we got piece. to do a Batman and Robin punch. I, I man, we covered that because we did an episode on it after we watched it, uh, me and the couple dudes that, that went to that. And it was just like we were just cracking up at like how just ridiculous it was. But yeah, the Batman or like the synchronized punch. I'm it's like, beautiful. I, I literally like called shot like Babe Ruth that shit. I was like, I swear <laughs> to God, they're gonna like at the same time do the same punch, do the same pose. Yeah, I, it like, I know this is gonna happen. It's so it's so good. It's so good. He's doing like T poses, flying through the air. Like all my cracks my shit up, dude. <laughs> I love that. It's such a probably one of my favorite shows like on right now, to be honest. Oh, um, no, I, I I mean, I don't have uh, as wide the anime choice, but right. I mean, um, I watch a lot of cartoons, both professionally and for fun. And yeah, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty high up there, man. Pretty high. I uh, so, you know, the through line of the show has always been um, the basis that we do. We talk about anime. We talk about cartoons. We talk about music. The parallel there that I've always noticed is um, as much as like, you know, and you may have experienced this like being in the comics growing up too. like, that's not necessarily like the cool thing (laughs) to be into. 
And so it you kind of get never kinda, the cool thing. Kind of get kind of get shit for it, you know. But yeah. in that same way, I feel like it happens similarly with music. If you're not really listening to what everybody else is listening to, if you're listening to something, it's a little different. People are like, "What the fuck?" You're gonna find your tribe. Like that's you're gonna find exactly. your tribe. I used to say, um, like, I mean, I'm 100 percent extrovert all the time, but getting like making that transition to college that there was always like, are you going to be able to make friends? You know, your, your, your family's worried about you. <laughs> are and you going to be okay, Joshua? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Cause there's a comic book store there. Like yes. I'll go and it's open, chill. I will go and open my pull box and I will instantly have people, people coming like in looking at your shit. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I think music is definitely, definitely the same way. It's getting weird though. It is. Um, only because, I say that only because uh, this is like watching my digital native kid. Um, everything is the same age. Like, like there's no, it's all available, you know, streaming so he can listen to anything from any time, any genre. If he likes it, he keeps listening. If he doesn't, he goes on to something else. And it's just, uh, I mean, he's got favorites, of course, but I'm just, I'm just like, how does that how does that work? Like you're all over the map. You like something that was recorded 50 years ago, as much as you like something that was recorded yesterday. How, I mean, I did that, but yeah. I did it by accident. Right. And I had to go buy the, you know, tapes you a, or CDs. You were a like, taste maker. It was a little bit of a work. It was a little it was like, a labor like, of love and expensive, you know? And I was just like, I can't wait to see how this, <laughs> I mean, what the, genre are you? The you instant know? access has definitely changed the game. Man. Yeah. But I mean, you know, by that, you know, kind of talking through just our conversation, even with like comic book media or anime, animation cartoons, like it's so funny to see people's uh, kind of taste and like how different, how they could be into different things at the same time on one side, like with animation or whatever. But I, and especially on the other side too, like that's all, there's always that parallel too. Cause I don't know you super well from like the, on the music side, but I was definitely not expecting you to be like in the like G funk or like West coast shit. And I didn't know, I've seen you wear the Wu-Tang shirt before, but yeah. I didn't know you're like, those were like your guys. Man. Oh yeah. Yeah. How did, how did that kind of come about? Very accidentally. Um, Cause actually I go back further than that. Uh, so like Rakim type shit or what? No man. Or like, even uh, like, like DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Oh, shit. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I mean, that was the first like novelty. I mean, I, uh, that's not fair at the time. Well, I didn't know what a novelty act was, but I, that's what I would have guessed <laughs> from parents just don't understand hits the radio. Right. And I'm like, okay, you have my attention. Right. And then I just go buy some random, you know, random stuff. So by the, it's been, you know, eight years that I've been listening to random, uh, you know, just random samplings of hip hop and like watching yo MTV raps and, and stuff. And, um, and and I definitely picked up like some some sort of like weird off the beaten track. I was fooled by van- by Vanilla Ice, <laughs> you know. Uh, hey, the whole the whole uh, United States was when it's true. Out. I had a friend move here he from Seattle, famous, so <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I had a friend move here from Seattle who was shocked that I knew pre uh, Baby Got Back Sir Mix a Lot, and I was like. I just liked Posse's on Broadway from Yo MTV Raps and I went and bought a tape. Like that was what <laughs> the deep cut, baby. I don't know what to tell you, you know. 
<laughs> um, but that was that was it. Like MTV showed music. Yo, MTV well, yeah. Raps was a show. Shout out to my hoopty. I mean, uh, it, yeah, yes. Ah, oh, the seminar album. I don't listen to it as much as I do Swass, <laughs> honestly. But look out. Um, but yeah, that was it. Like, uh, like parents just don't understand. Comes on the radio. I I, I am essentially the same age as hip hop, <laughs> but but it took <laughs> we grew a while, up together. It, but it took no. It took a while to get out of like get out of Brooklyn, right? And so as soon as I heard it, I was like, I am very interested in this thing. Um, but I was kind of alone in that. Like there was not a tribe for, you know, uh, that was before I was driving, you, you know, it was just the kids in my neighborhood and the other kids did not listen to that. I listened to other stuff too, but I mean, so yeah. And then, but then, oh my God, but then, but then Dre and Snoop. Yeah, man. Oh my God. That's that shit. That's that shit. But well, it is funny. Like you mentioned, it's just like a different time because you're, you know, growing up in the age where the internet wasn't just always there. Yeah. Like, you realize how many of your friends are just based on proximity? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're like, oh, well, those ki- these kids that live by me aren't into this, so I guess I'll, I won't do that. Whereas now it's like you can find people, like, I have uh, friends that host podcasts that have never met their co-host in real life. And I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? Like, what? <laughs> um, I met my listen up a-holes. I have an MCU podcast. Also, we'll talk about all the podcasts. Boom, at the boom, end, boom. But, um, <laughs> I met her in person for the first time last summer. You told me about that because well, when time. you drove up to New York, right? Yeah, yeah we went to see her. Uh, I mean, we saw lots of upstate right. New York. But, I mean, we, we, went to, we went to see Lonnie. Um, I have been co-writing a thing for a year and a half with someone i have never met in person we will meet in about a month for the first time how interesting is right that though, man like what internet. a crazy time to yeah. be alive yeah no it's, am- and it's I amazing wasted on the most shit generation wow <laughs> i'm just kidding so no no that's all that is all super amazing stuff but it's it's true i i don't know i mean my dad owned a very impressed, like the only, we were not well off when I was, when I was a young person. And one thing my dad had was this really amazing stereo system. Okay. And, uh, like he early adopted CD player, you know, stuff like that. Uh, when, when we really should not have been spending that money, it was just, he had (laughs) albums, right? Like, like just racks of albums. So like the idea of, sort of being very excited about your music. Like we didn't talk about being excited about our music. It was just like. He showed you. Yeah. That, yeah, well, that was is, the era of your furniture is built based around your album con- collection. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like whole racks Absolutely. of shit just for your albums and stuff. So, so I guess <laughs> it, so it, it was unfortunate that like, I didn't have people like my, you know, proximity tribe. Right. Um, but it sort of didn't stop me because I was like, I had, I was making a little bit of pocket money and I spent some of it on comic books and some of it on music. And I just went and bought the music that I wanted to. How did I know? Yo, MTV raps. The one thing that I regret <laughs> lightly is that I never read any like uh, hip hop music magazines. Oh, but the yeah. reason I never did that is because if I had money to spend on a magazine rack, I bought comic, comic. books. Yeah. yeah. So I never, I never did it. But yeah. But then, yeah. But then, the the golden age of hip hop happens in the nineties and it's like, all right, I was poised. I'm ready. This is my shit. 
That's funny. Yeah. So you, just, you say you mentioned Snoop and Dre. What was some other shit you're into? Okay. Well, I mean, that whole, you know, uh, I bought the Dog Pound album. I, much to my regret, bought the Dove Shack album. I bought, if Dre <laughs> produced it, I put, you know. I had that shit. I had that shit. Um, but then, and then Tupac, uh, you know, of course. And actually, I came, what East Coast I did, I kind of came by finding out that there was that rivalry between Tupac and Biggie. And so I was like, who? You know, um, but even then, I was I was still more West Coast. But then Wu Tang happens. And oh, I yeah. was like, well, all right. You jump sides. That's well, it was more I'm like, <laughs> I'm just gonna integrate that shit. Cause it's not like they sounded You're like welcome to the family. It's not like 36 Chambers sounded anything like Nas or uh, or Puffy or Biggie. It's not like he sounded that like that, you know, Staten Island was apparently doing something different. <laughs> Cause it doesn't sound like any of the, anybody else that I would have said that has an, you know, an East coast sound. So, right. Yeah. That is true, man. So, I mean, I'm not sure. Cause you know, their, their language is so coded and, and stuff that I'm not sure how long it took me to figure out that they were from Staten Island, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I just didn't even think about them like that. I was just like, that's, di- I, but I'm, I'm here for that thing. Um, but I mean, I listen to all kinds of stuff. I, I really only have a handful of things that I'm like, no, thank you. Um, but I really think one of those no thank yous is what really cemented me as a hip hop head because grunge is garbage. Oh, oh yeah. It's, and that was like the big thing. And at that, that was time. huge. So if you weren't into that, then it's like, well, I'm this other side. Dude. Yeah. Like, like, uh, um, I just, you know, so you weren't buying I, Nevermind and all that. No, no, <laughs> no. Cause I knew who the sex pistols were. And I was like, if I'm going to listen to people who only know three chords and, a, and have a lot of, uh, feedback i already have bands for that you know i'm good i'm checking the box with that over here right right and i just yeah i just didn't i really don't even now i'm just like i do i don't i don't like it it's an interesting like it's crazy that that was like a thing that blew up the way it did i mean same for punk same for rock and roll at all honestly same for hip-hop like it's just you never you just can't you can't predict it. But yeah, so when that happens is right about the time, you know, plus minus a little bit that uh, that Dre is revolutionary or revolutionizing everything. And I was like, OK, I'm done with that. And I'm just going to I'm just going to do this. And it was but it was always uh, hip hop and like real manufactured bubblegum pop. I also really like that. Running the gamut, man. You I know mean, you got to do it. I know that is so funny because uh, I feel like I'm pretty similar because it's just like if you were to like shuffle the shit i have on my phone you'd be like going from one side to the other like what the fuck like, oh yeah yeah it's this dude's all, over. all over the place uh, same same i introduced my kid to janice joplin today <laughs> he had to learn about her sometimes he liked one of the three songs i played for him <laughs> he liked bobby mcgee not the one i would have pegged huh it's like okay what were the other two? Um, I also played Mercedes Benz and uh, Peace of My Heart. Oh, okay. I mean, you know. The, the cuts. You, yeah, if you're going to do it, if, this is your first day for Janis Joplin. If you if you don't like these three, we can stop. Right. Right, on. like you're, you know. If you don't like one of these three, this is not your thing. This is not for you. Not for like you, Bobby man. Bobby McGee. So. I am, yeah, we're definitely like on the same page, man, because it's just like. I don't never, it's just like all over the place. Whatever I'm feeling that day is what I'm listening to. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of, I don't know, it's an interesting thing because I feel like when I was like in high school or middle school or whatever, 
there was like a thing like you had to have like your thing like you, it's, it wasn't like you were had had an eclectic taste it was like oh he's like he listens that's a he listens to rap or whatever yeah or that dude listens to like the hardcore screamers or whatever but like me it, i'm like all over the place man like i don't feel like i could have it's like one of those things of like making it your pet thing because i didn't want people to know like oh my god what if they judge me you know it's like that <laughs> that egocentric thing of like i want people to like me so i want to hide the the true parts of myself that i think are not like a problem yeah, or something. yeah totally so like yeah i mean i'm going from you know i can listen to like jojo is one of my favorite singers of all right time. on right on so i love her but then it's like under oath and as cities burn or like norma jean like some like screamo type shit on like a hawthorne heights but then over to like you know kendrick lamar or whatever tupac yeah. stuff you mentioned uh slick rick whatever is like whatever I'm listening to. So it's just like all over the place. I figured out broadly what kind of things I like, but, but, but I mean, super broadly, like if you have a close harmony girl group, <laughs> I am here for it. And, and that's because I, I didn't know this at the time, but this is, you know, me at 16, I'm, I'm buying Diana Ross and the Supremes CDs, you know, stuff like that. Like, I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I liked that. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And then I get a little Gladys Knight. And then and then you anyway, it was just like, this is this is a thing. I, I'm gonna be here for close harmony girl groups. I'm apparently going to be here for um, which you know, people don't really do this anymore, but I mean, um, I discovered the Parliament Funkadelic because of Dre, but just barely. Like I didn't realize he was sampling things because I did not understand how that worked. You didn't know it was a thing. Right. And then I saw in the widest way possible, I discovered who George Clinton was <laughs> when he was on PCU. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, I want, you know, they're, they're, they have the party and he's playing at the party. And I walked out of the movie theater in the mall to the music store and was like, and walked out with three P-Funk CDs. And only when I started listening to those, did I go, oh, <laughs> That's so funny. Trey's sampling this. I love that. Yeah. Like, I love, it's one of those things about how transformative music can be and, like, sampling and, you know, people being influenced by music. Yeah. And then going on and making other music from, like, music, out of music that they loved. And so I remember hearing, like, when I first heard, um, what is that song? Uh... Poetic Justice by Kendrick Lamar. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm at uh, Good Kid, Mad City. When I first heard that song, I was like, dang, this sounds kind of familiar. Like the the hook on that. And then I was listening to, uh, I don't listen to terrestrial radio a ton, a ton. But there's one radio station, Power 103.5. Mm -hmm. Yep. They play hip hop and R&B, like throwback shit. And there's not really a DJ on a lot. So I'm like, dude, just straight up music. I don't want to hear a bunch of bullshit talk radio, <laughs> even though I do a podcast, but whatever. That's why uh, I have podcasts. <laughs> but uh, I heard the Janet Jackson song that sampled, and I'm like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Like, I was like, I knew I heard that somewhere. And it's just funny. I love, to me, I love, I love that because you're like, oh shit, that's that thing that I've heard that in a different way. Like, yeah. Yeah. This is where they, this is where th what they sampled. And so that's always been a really interesting thing for me. And it happens a lot with Daft Punk, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll hear, you'll hear things that they picked out from different songs. And you're like, oh, shit, is that, like, Daft Punk used that. It was, um, 
I, this came up just this week. It was only about, this is like a real convergence of nerd shit and the music shit <laughs> that the, so are you aware that there is a really terrible, really shitty when they had no idea how they were going to market star Wars trailer, like from, from 76, like before the movie's even out. Oh, it is so. bad. Like the effects aren't finished. They have no idea what they're doing. There's no score. <laughs> So there's no John Williams oh my score. God. Yeah, yeah. And there is a phrase that they use in this trailer that I, so I'm a pre-internet person, right? I, I didn't know this trailer existed. Um, so I'd never seen it, but I knew this phrase for years because it was sampled on an uncle album. Oh, shit. And so when I finally run into this trailer, I was like, oh, shit. It's the, uh, it was the uh, 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 somewhere in space. This may all be happening right now. That's from the Star Wars trailer. That's, that's shitty before they knew what the movie that's even was. <laughs> it's not a good trailer. <laughs> I know, like, like you watch this trailer and you're like, they clearly, I mean, nobody knew what Star Wars was going to be, but they didn't know. Anyway, just this weird convergence where it was like, how do I know this? This <laughs> I know that phrase like the back of my hand because I've been spinning science fiction for right. years, you know? <laughs> And it was like, oh, that's part of my other shit that I love, but I never knew. Okay. That happens yeah. too. Like yeah. I'll, you can listen to something. There's been times where I've like listened to something and been like, oh shit, that was a sample. Like I didn't know that. Didn't even know. I mean, I mean, that's me and that, uh, you know, I had to stumble on, on George Clinton. Now it's, you know, I think I probably spend George Clinton more than I do Snoop and Dre, honestly, at this right. point. But yeah, it was the, you know, the most backdoor way Roundabout to go. Way oh. to- yeah, make the connection. And also, I will discover this quintessentially black artist that this other quintessentially black artist sampled, but I didn't know it by watching the widest fucking movie. <laughs> but I'm fine with it. It all, we wound oh, up in a good place. That's hilarious. <laughs> didn't, par- uh, didn't Parliament just come out with the album, a new album recently? Did they? I thought they did. I think I had, uh, when I had Cameron Brewer on. Okay, that's I think he crazy. told me that they had some new shit that dropped, and that he was like super surprised about it or something. Um, no, I want to say it was. They? I want to. I want to say it was Parliament. Well, I think it was like maybe old shit that was like. Oh, okay. I'll go find out. Yeah, I don't know. We'll I've seen them later. in concert uh, three times. Well, Snopes check that. Yeah, I've seen. Um, there's not very many people. I, I don't love live music much. Um, I mean, you know, I like people, but I like, but I don't, I don't know. It just was never, which is weird. My wife loves live music, but we don't listen to any of the same music. So it's complicated, but, <laughs> um, actually that's not true. Uh, uh, we, we do listen to one band and we went to that concert together, but, uh, and we took my son. So it was like family affair. Mm. We went to see panic at the disco. Oh dude. I fucking love panic. I love panic at the disco. Did you, we did an episode on panic. I don't know if you saw, but. I don't think if I did, I've forgotten. I, well, I have a whole, I got a lot of feelings. You got a lot of shit going on too. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) But I also have a lot. I have a lot anyway. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't love live music for, I mean, so for the longest time, I mean, still to this day, the, I I might've been four times is I've seen P funk in concert, some version of the P funk all stars in concert more than anything else. So that's pretty, legit, man. Yeah. I, I, Dude, shout out to Panic. That's crazy. <laughs> also, shout out to Uncle earlier. The only the other person I talked to that likes Uncle is Brett. Brett Grimes. That checks out. <laughs> so shout, shout out to Brett Grimes. 
Um, love you, Brett. I Probably know, for the same. I don't know if I you're bet, listening, but <laughs> if he came to Uncle, it might have been the same way because we. I believe he and I have had DJ Shadow conversations. You know, um, he and I got very excited together when Run the Jewels did a song with uh, uh, with DJ Shadow. Oh yeah, and and I was very excited. I was like, Brett, this exists, and he goes, I know. I figured it out a little while ago. By the way, the rest of the album's not great, and I was like, yeah. shit. <laughs> Well, I've got this, you know. I at least got this one thing. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing that's come up, uh, we've kind of done episodes where we, it's like kind of the advantage of having a show with two-ish, two topics. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have the luxury of being able to do like episodes about bands that people love. Yeah. And so we did one on The Killers. And oh, right there's just like a cool thing about like connections that you didn't know were there. Um and one example was like we talked about one killer's track that was produced by that we we were talking about it on the episode we were talking about it so like on the fly like was just like looking up something on Wikipedia about it oh we were trying to figure out who produced it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and when I looked it up it was Anthony Gonzalez and that's um, M eighty three yeah so M eighty three produced wow. a killer thing I'm like that is such a cohesive like. <laughs> That makes so much sense, but I would have never like thought that they collabed on something like that is so interesting to me. Yeah. I love shit like that. Well, this is, this is actually one of the reasons that I really appreciate that sort of manufactured pop because you, you start looking at like all these songs that are hot at this time and you discover, uh, like the pop chart songs and you discover that uh, for years it'll be like the same two or three, sometimes one guy, you know, boom for like five, eight, 10 years, whatever. And then it's like another guy. And I mean, when I was not wanting to listen to grunge and so it was hip hop or bubblegum <laughs> pop, it was straight out of like a, like a Norwegian, I should know this guy's name. Like it was like a Swedish guy or a Norwegian guy. Swedish sounds pretty on point. Yeah. I think it was Swedish. I think he was Swedish. Cause they like, had some damn producers, dude. Yeah. I think is Zed from Sweden? I don't know. Cause Zed's like the guy right now. I, yeah. Like no, a, they just do like some factories the out of there. It's anyway. So I love this idea that you can have these wildly different performers, right? Like she doesn't sound like her, doesn't sound like him. Um, Cause I mean, again, like when I started noticing this, it was like, wait, the same guy wrote and produced baby one more time. And whatever some backstreet boy song or whatever yeah you're like like, what the fuck they're super different (laughs) i mean they're poppy don't get me wrong but i mean like you can't write the same way for the same two but it's one guy and he just like fucks off into the lab and comes out with hit songs shut the hell up dude and he like it's so interesting because i know exactly what you're talking about man like i remember finding out like oh shit beyonce doesn't write her own song i know i'm like oh shit but like and then you see people like there's people like Ryan Tedder, who's like the lead singer of One Republic. Yeah, yeah. Who got his start writing songs for other people? Right. He wrote "Bleeding Love" for Liana Lewis, and he he's written a couple Beyonce songs. Well, I mean, a shout Gavin DeGraw he's collabed with, so like he's written songs for people, but then came and did his own Does band. His own. But um, you can do it the other way too. Uh, one podcast I really enjoy is a Slate podcast, um, Hit Parade, and they did an episode about the Bee Gees. And talked about how it was like, yeah, disco died, and so did the BG's career as a musical unit. But let's talk about the incredible number of 
or the just the volume of number ones that were written or produced by a Gibbs brother. A Gibbs, a brother's Gibbs. It's a lot. It was a lot huh. for a, a long time. <laughs> and funny. I was just like, that's amazing. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't know that. that either. Yeah. That's that Shout is to a, Barry Gibbs, man. That's yeah. my guy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's another one. I will, I will straight up listen to the Bee Gees. There was a little, no fucking uh, shame. I don't know if you know, John Satters, he was one of the hosts of, uh, we apologize for the inconvenience. Oh yeah. It's like yeah. Another show on our network. I think you've been on that show. Or I have not. Uh, Okie geek's been on that show, Okie but it geek, was after yeah. my tenure. Um, but he hosts trivia at the pump on yeah. Thursdays. And uh, one of his, like, the, one of the trivia questions was this band. Uh, people thought that this band got its name from an abbreviated version of the Brothers Gibbs. And it's the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees. Yeah. And they said, that's not it. And I'm like, well, where the fuck's the Bee Gees from then? Right. Like, what? Okay. They <laughs> might have said it on that episode of uh, Hit Parade. I'll have to go. I'll have to go That's back funny, man. I love getting into the minutia of stuff like that, though. Like hearing, like, there was like a, what was that old Oklahoma like radio show where it was like, here's the rest of the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like hearing like the. There's you, all. You know, like here's the, the face bit, you value. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And like that story behind. But that thing always, that always blew my mind whenever I first found out like, damn, like people that write or people that are singers don't write their own songs. Like I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a lot of the out, times they don't. Um, Like a band will break up. And form into two different bands and you'll be like well now i like both of these bands but it's now i know who in that first band was responsible for which parts i liked right, right. like that's true uh i like this guy's like voice or stage presence or whatever but clearly this cat was the songwriter because that's so true you know that's yeah. like that exact example was like taking back sunday and brand new for me okay yeah because the stage presence the lead singer of taking back sunday adam um that dude's like he's crazy. He's doing like crazy stuff on stage. And it's just like, that dude was like born to do this. And then you get like the more introspective guys and brand new that have like this very, like, I don't know, like somber approach to just talking about things that people face as just human beings. And I don't know. There's a, there's a way that music can kind of illustrate a point and like kind of tell you something like, man, how did I not like, you hear it and you you think, how did I not phrase that the exact same way that they just said that? Yeah, like, yeah. Because that shit cuts deep sometimes. You're like, God damn. Like, that's really, like, hidden for me right now. It was, uh, yeah. I have nothing to add. It's, I'm, I'm with you. That's that's how it is. <laughs> sometimes it's, I mean, yeah. It'd be like that. It's, it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, I mean, like, 1988 Hip Hop Head. Golden age happens, but I just keep listening to whatever the hell else I want to. <laughs> and, you know. Well, it's just like, I mean, it is. And that's why I love talking about these two different, uh, these two different things. Like, as much as like you were kind of latching on the things that you liked, comics or, you know, cartoon wise or whatever, like, it's that same kind of thing with music. Like, it's, it's sometimes a lot of it's intangible. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. really know what it is, but I like that. Yeah. Well, and and with the leading to where I am now was at least with literature and comic books, with stories, I wasn't prepared to live in that space. Like I want to find out why I like this. Right on. And now I want to find out why I like it so that I can make my own stuff. Right. You know. Um and so I like when other people do that to me or for me with music because that's just 
I like it. Clearly I am into that thing, but I can't go do, I got enough research over here, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's like why I started listening to hit parade and stuff like that. Cause I really like that, you know, behind the music. Now, you know, the rest of the story. Stuff. Oh yeah, dude, that stuff is so cool to me. I'm like, Oh, that's great. I didn't know that. Well, that's why I love you guys. The show. Cause like learning stuff from BTS, I like would have never even thought of, or like thought to look up myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. Like. That's a lot of what I, I do. I still blow people's minds with the it's drawn on black paper thing. Go look at it, though. As soon as you know, you're like, and you're yep, like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other the other one of those. Did we did we talk about the uh, the airbrushed bubble helmet on Heart of Ice? <sighs> was that for Mr. Freeze? Yeah. Yeah. That was another one that I was just like, OK, that blew my mind. And now it's a thing. Wait, what was that? Basically, the that was when everybody was still hand drawing everything. So it was like. I, I think mostly Korean art houses were like fighting for that Warner Brothers uh, dollar, right? Like, like because to be we want to be your guy, we want to because that. because the, the storyboards went to Korea and came back finished. Like, it was not the animation was not produced here. You know, um, I mean Bruce Tim they uh, did the style book, but then it was like you guys draw it. Well, wh- whoever the art house was. Um, went through they were trying to get the business and they were given heart of ice and they went and airbrushed frost on every single cell of Fuck mr me. freeze's bubble helmet okay so That's some detail if i remember right i think i got this wrong on the on the podcast too but i think it's 32 frames per second i think was what tv was i don't know what it is now or if they even measure it that way but it was 32 frames a second so every time mr freeze is on screen on the mr freeze episode every second that he's on screen they had to go airbrush frost 32 times son of a bitch and they got the business but i also think they went out of business so but Dude, i love that that I like level that of detail yeah man, that attention to detail so that's yeah, insane it's amazing yeah we talked about we've we have mentioned that before with stuff like Shit that you watch now that still holds up. And Akira is one of those. Yeah. That, and those guys at Robot House can explain it way better than I can. But it's like, there's a, it's like animated on ones, I think is what they call it. Okay. So it's like the top guys. It's usually like, there's like three tiers of people that animate. Right. And it's ones do like the important shit. And then twos come in like, well, let me fill in that. And then threes is like the cleanup. Mm -hmm. But I think that whole thing is animated with ones that every frame of that and that shit like there's there's still scenes like i think of that are iconic to me um one is from when uh they're driving into the city on their on their bikes when that chase is barely about to start towards the beginning and there's like that it's the the layered look of like the street moving with the city in the background yeah tokyo in the background like that backdrop and it's kind of layered. And like, I like that is a scene that like, is burned into my memory forever. Like, yeah, that shit looks incredible still to this day. This is, uh, um, this is what I think of for the, uh, the flying through the air chase and on leather wings, like, like, um, Batman winds up tied to man bat and, and man bat just takes off with him and then like swoops up and around one of the police dirigibles you know and so batman is like on this loop of rope like it's a corkscrew and you and sometimes it's his anyway it's just the the, the animation is spectacular you're like, and you're just shit. like a game they really like took their time with this yeah yeah but that that kind of behind the scenes stuff is 
uh, less visually, you know, but just the facts, the details of things is a big part of what I do on uh, Listen Up A-Holes, the yeah. MCU podcast. Well, like, helps you appreciate it um, more, too. Do what? Oh, like yeah. That kind of stuff helps you appreciate it. Well, when it I show too. up, and my, my co-host, who has no background, she is a New York Times bestselling author who teaches screenwriting at Syracuse University. She has zero background in superheroes other than the MCU. And so when I start the show with here's the stuff they were drawing from that they turned into this movie or this, these episodes or whatever, she is always just like, that's fucking insane for real. And I'm like, yep, that's <laughs> like, Wait, right. What? That's right. Spit She's 70- kind of approaching it from this other yeah, completely yeah. other side. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's really fun. And, and I, I kind of like use her as my viewpoint for the listeners of like, what's going to delight Lonnie is probably going to delight my listeners. The so what's, what's the weirdest <laughs> angle you know on on this story like what's the what's the most oddball um and especially like a show like agents of shield that just kind of i i actually have grown to appreciate it but it was garbage for most of the first season now i'm kind of into it but like some of those episodes they give me where it was like what the fuck am i supposed to talk about <laughs> all right we're talking about people who've been empowered by asgardian magic because that happened for 10 seconds in this episode <laughs> you know that kind of and she just, yeah. The most innocuous detail. You're like, we could talk about this for an hour. And, and to me, to me, though, those aren't, those are the details Though that you want to that talk I care about. about. Yeah. I mean, like, like, that's the stuff that I knew since a wee lad, you know, kind of thing. And the idea that, A, anybody else will care and, B, care a lot is still foreign. But it's like, all right, let's 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 do it. You I apparently like these details. People, yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things of, you picking out something and, you know, kind of goes back to mentioned earlier a little bit about like just like the egocentrism of it is that you think that when you see something like that, that's like supposedly an innocuous oh, yeah. detail. It's always been That's here. my thing. Yeah. And then yeah. when someone else mentions it, you're like, oh, shit. It like almost gives you validation. You're like, dude, I got, yeah, that's my thing. Like <laughs> this is here for me because I'm I noticed that thing and now they're talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost, and as you talk about it like that, it's almost like the mixtape of facts, you know, like the mixtape that you were like, you guys got to check out the several tracks or whatever. So you make your tape for your friend. And it's like that for facts where it was like, oh, oh, did you like that? Let me tell you the bonker (laughs) shit that turned, that they distilled into that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the, the fun part of it, man, is like you just get into just talking about stuff and when someone has like a passion for it or he is even just like into it or wants to hear about it you're like dude yeah i can just rattle off shit like that all day like let's I, go yeah. baby and then i turn them into a myriad of podcasts <laughs> <laughs> oh man well i really appreciate you taking the time to come out and chat with me man um why don't you tell people where they can follow you follow your projects follow you on social and all that absolutely um i i'd like to believe that i'm very entertaining on twitter uh, and I'm just at Joshua Unruh. I would I wanna, agree. I would agree. I want to be easy to find. Well, He's thank a good you. follow. Thank you. Um, so that's J-O-S-H-U-A-U-N-R-U-H. Um, if the podcast stuff sounds interesting, you can find all that at Pulp Diction with a D dot biz, B-I-Z. Um, and I've got Listen Up A-Holes. That's all about the MCU. We are not done with the MCU and we will die trying to catch up to the MCU at this point. Disney Plus as an announcement kind of crushed me. Cause I was like, I will die still doing this podcast and never catch up. <laughs> um, and then an animated discussion is the one about Batman, the animated series right now, but it's about to become uh, new I, adventures yeah. and Superman. We're real close to that. Um, 
Another couple, three months, I think, we'll be there. The gift that keeps on giving, baby. And if the deep dive superhero, like comic book stuff, sounds interesting, I do a show called Superhero University that's kind of a combination, like, lecture and book club, right? Because... It's like, uh, uh, so I did one for Captain Marvel, right? The movie came out and people were like, what comic book should I read? Well, she's been around since 1977 as a superhero and a little earlier than that as a character. And it's all a fucking mess. Like, it's amazing, a lot of it, <laughs> but it's a mess. And the version you got on screen, I was like, this is going to be hard. But, you know, I just pull it together and I was like, read these six issues and let's talk about them and, and talk about how this became the movie. And I've done that for a Batman series a wonder woman series um a couple others i i forget but superhero university is that one um i also write fiction so i might as well throw that out there uh i write novels and short stories and all kinds of stuff um all of my authorial stuff uh that's just me is at joshuaunruh.com you can find it there but it's i'm you know I am for sale on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that good stuff. Uh, but the joint project that I mentioned with my co-writer is like mystery man, serialized mystery man fiction um, is EmpireCity.com. Like we kind of separate that off because he and I work on it. He's got his own novels. I got my own novels, but that's the thing that, uh, that Dan and I do together. So I think that's probably all of it. I got some Facebook pages too, but <laughs> fuck Facebook, you guys. Man, yeah. They're for there. Real. Go search for Pulp Diction Productions or Pulp Diction Press. If and you want to find, find me, you will find it. But just mostly don't do Facebook. Just come mostly find don't. me on Twitter. Just come find me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm way more entertaining on Twitter. <laughs> right on, man. Um, well, as always, guys, you can follow us on social media. That's Tunes Tunes Podcast. T-U-N-E-S slash T-O-O-N-S. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.